0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about so many comics that have come too out this week. Too many comics! Yeah, too many. No such thing, because Truth. we're going to kick it off. But Daredevil, number one from Marvel, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter. can already tell what Pete's opinion is. He thinks he, he gives it uh, his seal... Oh, oh, wow a slam oh, wow. why do we
1: even talk when we could just applaud uh at, in different <laughs> rates
0: <Yeah. laughs> there we go we would get so through gonna... this much more quickly if we uh if we just applauded instead of opinions. this is picking up off of chip sadarsky and marco chichetto's run they as usual with daredevil left daredevil in a tough place in this case mm-hmm daredevil didn't have his memory he was a priest but still had his abilities a is daredevil and that's what we're picking up here in this new run uh what do you guys think about this it's always an interesting thing when you get into a new run of daredevil pretty much since brian michael bendis and alex believe right left it yep. off where they were like and we ruined everything enjoy that's kind of the yeah. status quo here how'd you feel about this first issue
1: Finally, a daredevil that is done with all the su- superheroics and focusing on the Catholicism. Yeah, the daredevil. I've always hard wanted. religion, hard Get religion, religion. Yeah, which it leads me to. I've I, I I like this issue. There's some great, great. artistic choices. There's yeah. a great just visual uh, display of possession here that yes. I thought was really cool. Yeah. I like what's being set up here, but there's a transition that happens. It's great, Pete and I same page, same page. There's a transition that happens here where I feel like I've always read Daredevil and been like, that guy is very religious and that's a character trait of his. But it's not asking – Daredevil has never been asking me to sort of get on board with religion. Uh Uh And this book was the first where I felt like, oh, I feel like we're so – It's a little – we're so in it. That it's sort of being like, you you agree with this, right? Or it's like, you're on board with this, right? And it's a subtle change, but it's definitely one that I was like, ooh, uh, this is getting me a little, I, I'm less interested in that. Oh, interesting.
2: Well, I, I don't think, I, I hear what you're saying, Justin. I do think we're leaning into his religious background here because he is going full on priest mode status. But, um, yeah, that's what I, they call
1: it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I don't. I I don't think it was kind of like, hey, you should. By join the way, I don't know religion. sports that much. When a sports player
0: like gets down on one knee, that's called going priest mode, right?
2: Yeah, he gets down
1: on one knee, like. Uh, yeah, way when to bring
2: up the maybe the most controversial
1: thing. Oh, I, I didn't think. Oh, honestly that's, that's you're, you're talking Kaepernick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think no, he no, means no. when someone takes a knee on the field, like downs the ball, uh, yeah, could, to end the play. To go into like the half, I'll
0: edit out that part so there's no confusion for the
2: audience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean we we do lean more on the religion of this, and that's because he is a priest in this. Where that's where we find him. I really do like the leaning on if. Matt's just a priest. What does that mean for everybody else? You know what I mean? So I really liked the Electra in this. Uh, sometimes um, Electra is a little bit darker, sometimes more possessed, but here she's okay. like financially backing Matt's dreams and kind of being his, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying Again. to help him. And it, it, what's interesting about it is like, Sometimes you're like, oh, this is just comics or whatever. But the idea that she puts forth is this interesting one of, like, he earned this kind of choice. Like, he died. I thought he was gone. And he's trying to live this separate life, which I thought was an interesting uh, kind of thing of, like, I'm just going to hang back and let somebody have their happy ending, even though that maybe I have feelings for them or whatever. I thought it was a really <clears throat> cool choice that they made with Electra. I also... Uh, I agree with uh, Justin. The kind of like f- the fights with the devil was so interesting, especially with the, the way it was drawn and the whole possession thing. I thought mm. it was just so creative and cool. We've seen so many different fights. I it's just anytime you get something new and fresh, yeah. But oh, of course, the the, uh, the art super type bananas. I mean, just really well, fun. I was going to say I will read literally anything that
0: Aaron Cooter draws. He is one of my favorite working artists right now. And to the point you were saying, Pete. He draws the hell out of Electra even more than the Matt Murdock sequences. There's something about, like, there's a thing where she's crouching on the rooftop and he yeah. shoot, shoots it, you know, you know what I mean, from like an up angle that I thought was hmm. stunning. There's one where she's jumping through the air and the black of her costume fades into the night sky Stunning again. And like you guys are saying, this villain here who possesses spoiler Electra at a certain point, the way that it is drawn physically is so so disturbing and interesting. Love all of that. But Justin, uh, I'm kind of on your side here in terms of like, I want this to be a bigger swing Uh, to get into spoilers. By the end of the issue, Matt has his memories back. He knows he's Daredevil, he's still a priest, but he's basically back to status quo pretty much, and he has a new enemy to face. I wish they had sat in this moment longer. You know, I wish they had sat in like the, he has no memory, change it, change his cast, change everything, take those big wild swings where you're like, yo, this isn't Daredevil that I know at all. That's, I think, the best place that you can go with Daredevil versus... This is really interesting. I like Solid and Abed, very good, really solid writer, Aaron Corder, gorgeous art. But I want to see where this is going in the long term. How is this going to be different from what I've read before?
2: Well, I would say it definitely does that because it is he's not Daredevil. You know what I mean? Electra's daredevil and he's a priest. That's a very different direction than it's ever been. My priest is daredevil. I don't know about you guys. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just want to see fire religion, bro. I just want to see Foggy in the tower like uh, ringing the bells and screaming You're Right, sanctuary.
2: where is Foggy? Good point, Justin. It's fo- play well, in Foggy the
1: Oregon, Foggy Moto. Foggy, mo- <laughs> Foggy Moto. Let's go. Uh I agree with you though Alex just one last thing on the more serious side. Like I feel like I don't understand what Matt Matt Murdoch the priest is what does he think about his life? He has no memories, but he doesn't have a gap. Do they have another life in its place? It's very unclear. And then suddenly he's like, I remember you. We used to date, but you dress like a devil. I'll never do that. I'm doing that in three pages. <laughs> <Like> it, <laughs> I, I don't know what prompted all these decisions because I don't really know this new character. So to have him changing so quickly is, is a bit fast
0: why don't we move on to another number one batman and robin number one from dc comics written by joshua williamson art by simone DiMeo. this issue or the idea of the series is that damien and bruce move back in together and bruce is uh-huh. gonna legit try another to be son. dad to his dick little son <laughs> <laughs> oh come kinda, on dude no it's nah. complimentary complimentary
1: okay? no dick is the I other son it. Dick yeah. is the other. Oh, Sorry, bro.
0: I what'd you guys think about this one? They fight a bunch of animal creatures and some bad things happen to Batman
2: by the end of the issue. Yeah. How'd you feel about this? I thought this was a great first issue. Really a lot of fun. Uh, I really like what they're setting up here. Crazy last panel. Um, yeah, but I like this kind of Odd couple, dynamic, having to live together kind of awkwardness and the fun that uh, kind of ensues with that. This is a fun relationship to lean into. I'm glad we're kind of putting them in one place to see what happens. So uh, I think it's uh, (laughs) it's a solid first-ish.
1: Yeah, I like I like this relationship. I like that they're sort of taking it seriously. It's very much played only on the superheroic side, the the Damien Bruce relationship. So I like mm-hmm. that they are living together, they're having to be with each other. I like the page that's Damian that's Damien's like comic book that he's working on. Yeah. yeah. I thought was really cool. The art is really interesting. It's very like neon. Mm-hmm. I
0: can I, can I just say, and I hesitate to say this because we like to be very positive about things. I didn't like the art of this book. Get I found out of it, here with that. I found it very hard to tell what was going on at certain points. It was so Ooh. exaggerated. Ooh. The inks felt very flat to me. Um, I like the story, but that was a real barrier for me in terms of reading this issue.
1: Hmm. Um, I get that. It's it's a bit busy and and, like you're saying, flat. Not a lot, ton of depth to it. But I, I like it, though. It reminds okay. look the color palette is just very different and it doesn't because it all has this sort of uh, it's less light and dark. There's just color all the time. So I think it's a little harder to walk through. But it's just a, I think it's just a different style because it's very slick uh, on the other in another way.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. Killmore, number one from IDW, written by Scott Brian Wilson, art by Max Allen Fuchs. We had the team on the show a few weeks back, and we talked to them about this book. So go back and listen to the live show. If you didn't, they answered a lot of questions about this first issue that now you can know since the issue is out there. This takes place in an unspecified time in the future in a city that has been left behind by the space industry. And in its place, a bunch of serial killers have taken residence and are running amok because there's not enough cops. There's not enough Firefighters, there's not enough literally anybody to take care of anything. We're following two detectives who team up to try to figure out exactly what's going on, and meanwhile, we're meeting a bunch of serial killers at the same time. I love this book. So many big, wild swings in here. What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we said a lot about the the book in the uh, series, but or in the interview, but on the reread, this feels like a regular people Mortal Combat. <laughs> they're all serial killers that They uh, uh-huh. they look like Except they're, the serial killers have an advantage They have some much better finishing moves Like driving a car uh, For the uh, first serial killer we meet yeah, But this book is brutal It's fun It is – there's a lot of interesting mythology that seems like it's boiling underneath it. So definitely into this.
2: This is very scary. I mean a very kind of like a scary idea kind of brought to fruition here in a very interesting, cool way. It's – I mean even the guy who's just kind of like – you know, being interrogated, it's so freaky, you know, like there is the giraffe. This, uh, yeah, the giraffe guy. That's so
0: just, funny. Like, the that's he's not funny. No, he he not, a ton of he's not. He's not funny. The scenes are funny. The way that they describe the scenes and the way the scenes are played out, they're played for comedy. And I thought they were
1: hilarious. He's funny. Comedy yeah. book. Comedy no, murder. Man.
0: Who's yeah, your no. real quick? Uh, just who's the funniest serial killer? Pete, you go first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh just do I know you have a top 10, Pete, but just no. give us a yeah, give us just your a, like in, I don't know, top three or something no, no. like that.
2: Anyway, where's, where's uh, Dahmer on the there? art? In this is really great, <laughs> it's really great, and uh, yeah, this is just a, a really scary idea of like the maybe a twisted future or something of like you know, but man, um, just uh. Well executed idea in all the right ways. Nice.
0: Alligator Loki, number one from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Bob Quinn. This is collecting the digital series. So you're getting a bunch of short, silent stories, very similar to the Itch Jeff issue that was oh, released a while it's ago. It's yeah. same thing, except here we're getting with Alligator Loki, who is a alternate
2: universe version of Loki. Um, Allie all think- Loki! Oh, just so adorable. So much fun. Um, yeah, I think this was great. And also we get a lot of uh ally loki uh adventures for you know in in this comic they kind of jammed a bunch of stories in here which is great you get to see a lot you get your money's worth i mean this is cute art uh to perfection and kind of really played out more please what a great team on this
1: is this your favorite loki pete uh
2: yeah i would say so i would say so yeah i love alligator loki
1: I finally found it interesting how much Thor tolerates Alligator Loki because he does Thor that tolerates. in real life too. I did yeah.
0: really like the bit of Alligator Loki constantly biting Thor and getting little yeah. bite marks all over his body. This is
1: hard. It's, yeah, it's a harsh bite from the alligator. Really fun art though. Great uh great strip. Great comedy fun strip.
0: Yeah, I also think I'll just throw out there It's Jeff is a book that my son, my nine-year-old, was super, super into, loved, because it's very easy, it's very accessible, it's very cute, and I heard or had seen online from a lot of retailers that they're like, hey, you need to make more of these books. They are actually bringing kids into stores, and I think that's what Alligator Loki is aimed at as well. This is easily accessible to children to get
1: into stores. More of this, please. Yeah, they're already I mean, doing a season three that's coming out December eighth on the Marvel uh, Unlimited.
0: On the other edge of the spectrum, we've got Batman Gargoyle of Gotham number one yeah. comics by Raphael. Wow. I'm my own grandpa. This is a <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know. future uh, Futurama efforts. Don't worry about it. The okay. this is a uh, Batman mystery drawn by Raphael Grandpa. So you know what you're gonna.
1: What? Oh, yeah. Well, no, exactly. I, don't like,
0: I don't know. I thought this was like across the plate. Raphael Grandpa's art is awesome. And yeah. the story itself is like, yes, this is a Batman story where some dark things happen and he's solving some mysteries. And there's like a proto-Joker type character that he's going up against. And it's fine. Like, it's a good story.
2: But it's there's nothing... Groundbreaking necessarily Uh, Go go, go fuck yourself with this Go fuck yourself This is a ton of fun This is just like this kind of very artistic
1: I'm not
0: saying it in a bad way I'm saying it's a showcase for Raphael Grandpa's art
1: Alex hates Grandpa Yeah, I do
2: All right, first off, some serious epic covers in here. We also have this cool idea of the noir edition that's all black and white with some color splattered in for effect, which I really loved. This, I knew you would love that. This is kind of this cool uh, uh take on Gotham. We've seen Gotham be scary, we've seen dark. This is just a little bit of a tweak on it. Um and I think it's just such a it It's intense. It's crazy. It's creepy. It's interesting. Um, I I just think that there is like there there's there's an audience for this. I think it's uh, it's a little left of center. And I think that that is cool and unique. And why not when you have an amazing artist, why not kind of lean into that style and kind of go down that rabbit hole with that artist to explore a little bit of a different take on something that we know very well And um, I'm sorry if this artist hurt you at a con or something, Alex, but please don't take that out of
0: I like the book.
2: It's a gorgeous looking book. It is
0: gorgeous.
1: It is a a gorgeous book. And in addition to that, a couple of things that I think do make it special, the layouts and panels and just perspectives um, are Amazing. We get a lot of like, there's this great page. It's just sort of like uh, Commissioner Gordon getting up and going about his business, which I thought was cool. (laughs) There's just great moments throughout. And there's this story piece that's running through it that Batman's like, I'm ready to kill Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is dying now. And Alfred's like, Hey, don't do that. And that's something that I I haven't seen, or at least not as aggressively stated. And so I sort of like the idea that this is a, a Batman story where Batman is fully committing to the life. It's a younger Batman, I believe as well. While at the same time hitting a a villain that is uh, horrifying and Batman gets his ass kicked in the entire issue.
0: Yeah. It's also very clearly like a Disney inspired villain, which is interesting. So that's kind of running through things as well. I'm I'm not quite sure what the idea there is, but visually it's kind of know. I didn't get Disney, but I I just think it's,
2: there's literally like Disney characters running through there. Um, for the villain yeah, was the the cry-tune. Crytoons. Yeah, yeah. The villain was uh, super creepy in a lot of different ways. Super creepy bananas. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't say enough things about this I fight against the mad. negative fucking attitude that you're putting out there. This is the worst book I've ever read uh, in my oh entire Oh, my life. God. What, don't, you know, I Joker. am going to
0: go into comic book stores. I'm going to burn this comic, and I'm going to replace it with you buy it Alligator first. Loki, my favorite comic.
1: Batman was created when Joe Chill killed his parents. Pete Batman was created when Alex shit on this Batman book. And I didn't Pete, even shit Pete on declared,
0: it. I said I liked it. He gorgeous. declared vengeance beautiful. on all if you Alex's see some Beautiful everywhere. art. Beautiful art with a fine story. From the world of right. minor threats, The Alternates, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Pat Oswald, Jordan Bloom, Tim Seeley, art by Christopher Mitten. Ian Herring and Tess Fowler. This is, as per the title, spinning off of the miniseries Minor Threats, which is set in a new superhero universe where villains and heroes are just kind of part of the fabric of the world. I don't know that there's necessarily like a concrete premise for this world per se, other than a tone of a little more focus on the villains as people who are just trying to do their jobs like everybody else. So what we're getting here is entirely new characters, all part of a support group. There's some stuff going on and going down that happened in the past where basically like they were part of a crossover and during the crossover they went to another dimension and lived entire lives there. You know how this goes if you've ever read comics before. And now they're dealing with that in different ways and potentially some of that stuff is coming back for them. I didn't know what to expect from this. I thought this was going to be like an anthology book. It's not that, it's a new mini series and I thought it was great.
1: I agree, this is really cool. I like this universe. It's a a lot of uh, packed in the original series, a ton was packed into it. And this feels the same way. It reminds me a lot of Black Hammer. If you're a Black Mm -hmm. Hammer fan and want sort of uh, that's coming to the end, literally in the current arc titled The End, if you want to jump onto a universe in the same vein that's just starting, I think this is a good uh, comic to jump into.
2: Yeah, this is, uh, I really think it's like a tripped out adventure of a good time here. I really like this book. I mean, I could have done without the licking blood vampire slash wolf sex party that happened. But other than that, that, other than that, I thought it was a fun.
0: Doing that
1: for Halloween.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, that's uh, what you're doing? Yeah, Pete, take off your uh, headphones for a second. Justin, we're going to have to change.
1: Yeah. Oh, you don't the think we should do it for his birthday
0: party. We should not the, do that.
1: The licking, the naked licking sex party yeah, for Pete's right. birthday. Yeah, we should do what that. He, I, think, I think he's going to like it. It's, you think he he's going to like it, it. anyway? Like he, he, doesn't he, like it lady, right. he doesn't like it because it's in the comic. He doesn't like it because in the comic, in real life, he's going to love it. He's going to love it.
2: Anyways, I thought this was very oh, cool I, and creative, oh, and I'm looking forward to he didn't the hear that next part. issue.
1: No.
2: I muted. I muted his mic.
1: Uh, other way. <laughs> i muted his brain
0: star trek picard's academy number one from idw written by sam Bags, art by ornella greco this is per the title going back to picard's academy days he don't need nobody and he doesn't need nothing he's just a loader who's trying to get out of academy and get to space and he's sparring sparred with the other guy. He's number two in his class. He's not even number one. Come on. This is the Picard. You know, on. this is a younger Picard who's mixing it up with a bunch of young folks just trying not to party and not have a good time.
1: Well, it's very funny that all of the captains, basically, on all of the Star Trek TV series who are the most, like, measured, like, let's just hear out the science and deal with this uh, potential conflict. They're all were like, brash psychopaths when to the academy <laughs> and that's true in the in in next generation like that's uh, there's an episode where picard got in this fight and almost died i think and then sort of had to protect this other person because it was a bar fight and all this and that so like it, it tracks it's just very funny to me that all of these characters are so reasonable yet they were absolute wild cards
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, this. uh, first off, I love the tone that the art puts forward. It's kind of a lighter uh, uh, take on Star Trek, which is nice. You know, kind of a different, fresh perspective on something we've seen a bunch of. Um, But yeah, I I appreciated Picard's dedication to his goals. You know, uh, I was a little heartbroken that he didn't realize somebody uh, was enjoying his company. Uh, and he completely ignored that. I thought that was a little bit of a dick move, but um, he's brash. Um, I did, I did appreciate uh, this is a number one and uh, hopefully, a start to some fun stuff. Yeah, this doesn't quite track for me with Picard, the
0: character that we know, yeah, but forgetting that like if it if it wasn't Picard I would love this this is like a perfect animated series pilot that's what the art mm. feels like that's what the setup feels like you have a great perfect setup of the cast here um, super into this I I again other than like the little bit of a disconnect in terms of how we know Jean-Luc Picard from watching Next Gen and seeing him here really really fun I had a good time Let's talk about Creepshow volume two, number one from image comics. By Garth. That is y- a yikes. <laughs> Hester, Art by Becky Clinton and Phil Hester. This is two stories of spooky weirdness. And that's all it is. Right guys.
1: Yeah. No underpinning uh, <laughs> larger takes and issues to deal with here. I mean, this is the volume two, number one. So launching the book. And Garth Ennis comes out with one of the, like, hot, <laughs> biggest, hard-hitting, topical, horrifying stories uh, dealing with um, the anti-abortionists and, like, this horrible Gun situation. Control. Gun control. Like, So it's a wild swing. It's crazy. They were like, yeah, Garth, why don't you kick this off? Uh, Perfect choice. This will definitely get people. And this is not slagging off the story because I I thought it was good. It just goes so hard the entire time. Just to
0: give like a little bit of backstory here, we were in Baltimore Comic-Con this past weekend and Sunday morning when you were coming down – I woke up a little early and I was like, "Okay, I'll read some of the comics for the week." And the first one that I read was Creepshow at like six o'clock in the morning, and I read this and I was like, "Yikes!" Oh like a my s- God, what's strong happening? cup of coffee. Yeah, and then you. First, pretty much first thing when we saw each other at the table, and we're like, "Oh my god, I read that creep show thing." Read it on oh, the train, and then and then we talked to Tora Gromback, who is good friends with Garth and yes. Garth and us. we at sharing a table, and we were like, "Hey, tell Garth we read this really messed up story," and she's like,
1: "Oh, I know. It's really yeah." She read the, the script and was like, "Yo, this is crazy in the script form." <laughs>
0: um But like. To to be fair to it, and to be clear to be about it, to fair, it is it goes hard on yeah. anti-abortionists in exactly the way that you should be going hard on, on them. Yeah. Like it it digs in. It is something that like does not hold back in any way. It's not arch in the way that Carthenis can sometimes be, where it feels like a little removed. Sometimes this is like full-fledged throws you into it. And it's also such a total disconnect with Phil Hester, who I really like, but then you get his thing, who's like, ooh, it's a spooky coffin. And you're like, all right, this is, yeah, you are going go ahead for ahead. two very different things here.
1: Though I will say the Phil Hester story ends with a corpse mom bone-tongue kissing her son to death. So um that also goes pretty hard. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Do you want to say anything about this, Pete? I think we covered it. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to uh, maybe my favorite issue of the week. Avengers Inc. Number one from Marvel written by Al Ewing art by Leonard Kirk. This is a title that it's not immediately obvious is spinning out of the work that Al Ewing has done both on the Ant-Man and Wasp anniversary series, but it becomes abundantly clear as you're reading that that's exactly what's going on. And also, the premise of the comic isn't really revealed until the end of the year. I do want to spoil it because I think it's such a great selling point for the book. We're following the Wasp as she's investigating a weird mystery where six different criminals, superpower criminals, have been killed in prison, in locked rooms, all at the same time. They don't know how it happens. She gets called in by Luke Cage to try to solve the mystery because one of them is Whirlwind, a person who has stalked her and tried to kill her most multiple, multiple times. And as she tries to solve it, Weirder things happen, like the bodies come back to life. One of them gets inhabited by the human aspect of the vision, or seemingly so. Yeah. So a lot of weirdness going on here, but the setup at the end is it seems like what they're going to be doing is done in one mysteries every issue, while having this overarching mystery of what's going on with the bodies, and the team is the wasp out of costume, with Luke Cage, Jarvis, and this proto-Vision, who is in human form, all hanging out at a bar above Avengers Tower. Love it. Like, it feels to me like the sort of big, wild swags that Marvel should be taking all the time. It feels like it's not as hardcore, but it feels to me a little bit like the Human Target book out of DC. Mm. Same sort of, like, 60s swagger to it. If that's what they're going for, I am 100% on board And then after that, there is an epilogue with a huge reveal, huge, like enormous reveal of a character who is coming back that changes everything. So, uh, again, I love this book. Pick it up. Uh, I didn't know what to expect from the title, but I was 100 percent sold by the end.
1: I agree with you. This was a a fun read. I love the idea of this book. I definitely want to have this type of comic all across both Marvel and DC of just like interesting one-off stories with an overarching uh, mystery. One thing that's made me think is like Luke Cage as mayor. Where's that book? Where's the Mark Russell written Luke Cage as mayor book? That's like comedy. But also, like dealing with some real issues, political issues. I would love that. Let's go.
2: Yeah, I agree with Justin. I think uh, this is cool. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. This is an amazing team. Those art super tight bananas um, and uh, more Luke Cage. Yeah, totally agree with that. I love Luke Cage as a mayor. That is
0: such a great position for him. More of that great idea. World's Finest Teen Titans number three from DC Comics written by Mark Wade, art by Emanuela Lupacino. In this issue, the Titans are heading to Titans Con, a convention all about them. Robin has been told not to go by Batman, but the rest of the team goes, it predictably goes terribly wrong. And then Robin kind of has to pull him out of a jam. We talked to Mark Wade about that. This, not this issue, but this title a little bit this weekend. So that was fun. So look forward to that interview and podcast. But what did you guys think about this issue?
2: Okay. Yeah. I think it's like Mark (laughs) Wade, uh, you know, though. If Mark Wade's the writer in this and he's saying, like, the heroes go to a con and get overwhelmed, I mean, I feel like it's Mark Wade being like, hey, you guys need to calm down when you're at my table, okay? Because it can (laughs) get a little overwhelming and uh, I need you to chill the fuck out a little bit, you know? Uh, But other than that, I thought it was fun to see kind of Robin, like, sulking by Batman, like, it could be at a con right now, but I got to be here. And he was like, yeah, that's right, Robin, you do. Uh so yeah, you know, uh it's it's hard when your dad grounds you and you want to be somewhere cool, you know? So I definitely related to that. And uh I don't care what Mark <laughs> Wade thinks. Uh, I think cons are a lot of fun. So.
1: Wow. <laughs> weird. weird review. Weird takeaway. Well, that's
2: what happens when I
1: go first, you know what I mean? All right, fair. <laughs> Uh put the weird up front. Uh like a horse walking backwards. The the part here that i uh coming off of a con being at a con and and reading this was really fun it's the sort of the best version of it uh so that part was nice i like this there's a this is very much like the titans as like the beatles i felt like sort of help them running around and i think that specifically because there's a reference on the first page this is fab it's gear both fab and gear which is a line i think a george harrison line from help So I think that's the overall thing Mark Wade was going for. I didn't know you were a Beatles head, bro. Hey, I know. I do the research. I do the research, Pete. Uh, I don't just flip through the books and call it a day. I'm up all night uh, diving through the archive. I'm in the basement for a reason, surrounded by comic books. Uh, But the art in this is very good. And like we talk about, Mark Wade just knows what he's doing and seems very targeted with his comic book writing choices.
0: Hexagon Bridge, number one from Image Comics by Richard Blake. Now, this book is about a hexagon bridge, and <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff going on. Pete, yeah. I want to turn it over to you because I was surprised to hear I think this is one of your favorite issues of the week.
2: That is correct. It's worth it for the art alone. This is mm. such a unique, interesting, artistic book. Book, Uh, there's weird kind of tripped out things dissolving and and uh, all sorts of craziness happening. I, uh, I I just I loved it so much. It felt so unique. We we read a lot of comics all the time. So when you get something like this in the stack, it's so different. It sticks out. It's so bright and colorful and so artistically led. Uh, it really kind of blows you away. So, I was just so happy for this to be in in our stack because of how different it feels and how unique. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I can't recommend this enough.
1: It is very different. I don't quite know what's happening, per Alex's point. The book's broken up. You don't in always chapters. have to know. I know. It's not a criticism uh, because I think the book is going to tell us it's written very confidently. Like Pete's saying, the art is really cool, detailed, and um, floaty. I guess is a good way of saying Uh it. uh uh The connection, despite Pete saying there's nothing like this, this reminded me a lot of... Uh, Madden Langle's uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's maybe the underlying vibe uh, we're getting here.
0: Well, it also looks like a Mobius book. The book's book. not
1: the movie. Yeah, Mobius. it looks
0: like a Mobius book a little bit. It looks a little bit like the Incal and stuff like that. And you're not mm-hmm.
1: saying
2: that in a derogatory way or in a
1: negative way? No, no, no. no
0: it's okay, no Gargoyle of
2: Gotham. It's not like at that low level of absolute
1: shit quality. <laughs> oh my
2: it's very God. funny. Dude, you're Out. lucky we're not in person right now, you fucking piece of shit.
1: <laughs> See, he waited. He's been holding this opinion for so long. It's funny. Pete loves grandmas and Alex hates grandpas. Yeah.
0: I also <laughs> don't. To be clear, I thought that was a good book. I thought Gargoyle and Gotham was good. My God. House of Slaughter, which is what this podcast is turning into. Yeah. W- yeah. yeah. From Boom Studios, art by Sab Johns, art by Letizia Catanici. In this arc, we are following one of the younger members of the House of Slaughter, who is a kid with no arms, but that's okay because he can kick Gladys of Ass. He is staying with a, what would you say, foster home, I guess is what it is, and trying to figure out where the monster is, who is controlling the monster, because that's the whole point of the House of Slaughter. This is great. This is another really good solid arc here in this issue. What I really loved about it in particular is we're diving into the emotional state of this main character, which I don't think we've got much of before. And I thought that was really, really well done and got me very involved in the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. Plus the art, super type bananas, and it's just so creative and and cool. I mean, you you take something that's normally such a fun kind of toy. They have this kind of like cutout of you know kind of like one person, and then you kind of string it open, and it's all these uh, kind of uh, people holding hands, and they make it evil and creepy in this comic, paper dolls. Which, yeah, the paper dolls. So like i uh, just super impressed with the art in this, but also just the kind of character dive we get in this book. There is so much going on. I love with the confidence of a book to kind of pause things and just kind of spend some time on one aspect and really dive deep. So, yeah, love the story. love all the creepiness and all the action in this issue. Just really impressive what they're doing with this House of Slaughter book.
1: Great kids being kids mixed with kids and monster murderers. Uh, that's yeah. a great combination. The uh, I like the paper dolls as well, Pete, as sort of the, mon- the demonic monster sidekick for our, our guy here. What would your childhood toy that um, a demon inhabited have been? Mm. Guys?
0: Uh, for me, it would be a little R2-D2 figure that I buried in the sand for a while, so all of his decals got rubbed off. So it was just like mm. this pale... You were, you were scared of
1: R two D two when you were a kid. Terrified. Need to bear right. <laughs> still, beefs and
0: boobs.
2: No
1: thanks. Yeah. It's that guy talking about. Me. Wow, okay. Pete. What type of banana would you have inhabited a demon with? <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I had like a bunch no, of no act-
1: banana. It's super tight.
2: Uh, action figures that I would kind of like uh, always carry with me and stuff like that when I was little. So probably one of those.
1: Well, what action figures were they?
2: Uh, it was He Man, Star Wars, Transformers, uh, GI Joe. That kind of so stuff. you kind of diffuse among them, split bunch up of the team.
1: Yeah, split up the team. Ram Man. Oh yeah, Ram Man was there. Yeah, Justin. Um, which toy? Uh, probably. I, I think a blanket. My my. I had a blanket when I was a kid, and What'd that's. You call it did
2: you stop short of saying blankie there? You were like, oh, no, no. no. What did you call your blanket?
1: I really only called it blanket. I didn't have a, a cool okay. name. My uh, brother called his blanket Nuni. And that's oh, cute. Wow. I I wish I had a dumber name for it, but it really blanket. And I I, then I honestly did. let it go a little. My parents were like, you're done with this? So I was like, yeah, <coughs> I don't need a blanket.
0: My brother uh, kept Nuni until it was literally like a shred of thread. And we were like, "We, you need to let go of this. You need to put this away. And that was last yeah. year. He's in his 40s. are yeah.
1: um, a lot of people who really hold on to that stuff. Yeah. I speak that from experience
2: You know I'm worried about uh, How you treat your family on this podcast Now you throw them under the bus <laughs> constantly for Yeah I know ever. I hope they never listen because I think a part of them Would die inside just hearing the way you talk About them I mean watch we, out Let's not get into my family dynamics but let's Watch out Alex
1: because moms Can start listening at any time oh, Ooh. Ooh. And so can other Members of the family this is just out on the internet I don't know if you know that, is that
0: just <laughs> We post this Why? (laughs) Werewolf by night number one from Marvel, written by Derek Landy, art by Fran Gillan. If you love the Werewolf by Night special on Disney Plus, if you love the relationship between Werewolf by Night and Alison Bledstone, Get ready because a year later, here's this comic. Hey, hey,
2: hey.
0: <laughs> come on, dude. Alex slamming <laughs> the release schedule. It's still schedule. streaming.
2: It's not like it's just. I know. Just I'm one sorry. This is
0: a weird week for Marvel because they're like, did you like Werewolf by Night last year? Here's this. Did you like Alligator Loki two years ago? Guess what? Now we have a comic. It takes a while also, to make Also, comics, also they released you Star think? Wars Obi Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi, the direct adaptation of Obi Wan Kenobi, which again, a year ago at this point.
1: I mean, that is weird. I agree with you. That's all. But this comic. You know what's
2: you know, not fun? That you shitting on the thing we're trying to hold up and talk about. And then it'd be like, your comics are great. And that's you're a fair like, cre- you're Fucking bullshit. Yeah,
1: but it's not. It, he's not saying that. It is weird that this because this book, content wise, is very much. It's not the mm-hmm. same story as the Werewolf by Night special, but it's right next door to it. And it's good. But this is the kind of thing I think we talk about a lot. If Marvel and DC want to really get readers in who are watching their shows, I would put this out the week after, or what like a little Same bit week? after. Same yeah. week,
2: The The numbers so that, have, are probably not there; otherwise, they would be doing it.
1: What well, no, to put I it think, out now uh, is seems like what's this may be a uh, this is a good book. I think. But mm-hmm. it's just – it's not in support of anything and there's no – the time is so far away. It doesn't really make a difference, Yeah,
0: it's the sort of thing what I'm saying is that if you l- watched Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus and you loved it and went to the store and you're like, hey, you got any Werewolf by Night things? So they're like, sure, man. We got the stuff from the 70s that seems totally unrelated and still good, mind you. But yeah. versus having this book – which the art by Fran Gon is great. The colors are great. Werewolf by Night is in black and white, while Elsa Bloodstone is very much, I know we don't say his name anymore, but very much the Warren Ellis, Elsa Bloodstone um, from Next Wave. And she's in color the entire time, so I love that dichotomy going on there. The story by Derek Landy is very fun. There's a ridiculous demon fight that happens in here, so very enjoyable. But anybody... Even if there were like five people who watched Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus, were like, I'd like to read a comic about this, they're not coming back a year later to check out that thing. That is not happening. And I think I would chalk that up to I don't think that's Marvel's fault. I think that's probably Disney's fault in terms of not caring about or coordinating with Marvel at all. And this stuff would be my guess
2: well whatever we got a cool book and I think that uh, you know I love the I'm a sucker for the will they won't they and I think they do a great job of that I also think the art style is really fun like you were talking about with the black and white versus color really great character designs love the king of wolves and bloodstone here uh, I, I think the the art tone makes it a little bit lighter, whereas the show was definitely like a very kind of old school kind of horror new yeah. arts. So I thought this was a, a kind of a lighter, funner take. Uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I wasn't mad about uh, years of scheduling or any other
1: thing. There I'm mad. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Wow! But this can, is a good book with good art.
0: Yeah. I can't believe they got Pete, a person who would read comics anyway. Superman Lost, <laughs> number six, from DC Comics, written by Priest, art by Carlo Pagullian. This is continuing the story of Superman was gone for, at this point, I think 20 years? Something. So long. That's <laughs> Oh, crazy. my God. Uh, he yeah. has been on this planet called Newark that he named, and he met a Green Lantern who he's hanging out with, and it seems like they have some sort of flirtation thing going on, potentially. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's all building to a crescendo where he wants to leave this planet because he wants to get home, but can't leave them because he can't let them die, and they are in a, a very similar situation to Krypton. We're also getting little scenes of a completely traumatized Superman back at home talking to Batman, among other things. Um, This... This comic is becoming harder and harder to read every issue, but in exactly the right way. The emotion is there. The art is there. I love the moves they make with the Green Lantern in this issue as well. What do you guys think about this?
1: It's, I I like a lot of what you just said, the emotionality. I like the reveal we have here about the Green Lantern. I like the Superman in in the outfit and the stuff that he's sort of going through. But the, the, The world is so complicated. Like it's called Newark. There's all these people. I I, I want Superman to be more lost. I want him to just be like a little bit more lost rather than like embroiled in the politics of this planet that I feel like he's going to leave and never come back to or he'll come back and save them. But it's not like this planet is a big future story. So it feels – I wish we were focusing more on Superman being adrift – being caught up in different one-off adventures, a bit more like the Tom King Supergirl series, mm-hmm. but with Superman and feeling all the same emotionality that you're talking about, Alex, but just a little more out there.
2: Uh, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a kind of a interesting story of Superman lost in space. I really love the use of the yellow in his cape. I thought that was such a cool kind of uh, way to kind of save the day a little bit there which i yeah and
1: real quick to explain that he finds out that this, this green lantern sort of found her ring and so it was the, uh, the ring where it still had the yellow flaw in it before it the rings were upgraded years ago so he sort of gets that sees it and then uses the yellow bit of his cape to punch through the construct which to your point pete it was very cool
2: yeah it was great and then also like um I, I thought it was unbelievable last panel. Really kind of uh, crazy, kind of grabby at the end there. Great book.
0: More. Coda number one for Boob Studios, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Matthias Bergara. This is a wild fantasy world where a lot of things are going on. I love the art in this book, but what did you guys think about the
2: story? Yeah, I thought this was like a crazy issue uh, just all this kind of, like, uh, God's uh, stuff and, uh, and, and like, showing up and dying and then, like, stepping on him like a bug. The unicorn stuff was absolutely uh, amazing and ah. so kind of, like, badass in such an unexpected, cool way. Yeah, I was really kind of impressed with the overall creativity that was going on in this and the kind of different takes of stuff. Um Yeah, a lot going on, but man, yeah, I loved it. I'm really looking forward to more. I felt like this was a really strong first issue.
1: There's some underlying emotional connection between the two main characters, I think, who are in a relationship but are maybe drifting apart. They remind me a bit of saga in a good way. And then otherwise this book could have could be taking place on the fringes of adventure time in the land of Ooh. I feel like it is like a little bit more grown-up version of that where a bunch of nonsense happens, but it's played for fun, and the characters are just like, hey, can I just figure this one thing out? Let me get my unicorn back. Something we all wish we had. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. Badass
2: unicorn, yeah.
0: Venom number 25 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Sergio DeVilla and Sean Parsons and Ken Lashley, Kafu and Julius Ota in this issue. Dr. Doom and Eddie Brock are... Punching the crap out
1: of each other throughout Classic time. Classic pals. <laughs> Doc Doom, Dog, Hanging and Banging. I mean, Hanging
2: and
0: banging. Mm, I don't know if I'd say that. They are... This is tying into some big continuity stuff that's been going on with Venom, who doesn't have... Excuse me, Eddie Brock, who doesn't have the Venom suit anymore. He has a different suit. Venom is still kind of there in other capacities. There's this whole King in Black stuff going on. So that part, if you haven't been following along, is kind of a deep dive, but it sort of doesn't matter because at its base, it's Venom and Dr. Doom fighting over a time platform throughout various time
1: periods, which is very fun. It is fun, and I like this. You know, I I buy into the Venom stuff about, you know, half the time. When it gets too goopy and a little too, like, (coughs) self-serious about the mythology, it loses me a little, but this feels like it's right in the sweet spot. Dealing with that, but also eating some brains. There's a great section where Eddie's talking to a, a a younger Peter Parker. He's like, hey, man, I've tasted brains. It's fucked up, and I thought that was really funny. The, there's some uh, uh, references here to, I think, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut early on. There's a Rosebud 2 reference, so there's yeah, some larger a... literature being referenced in a fun way. The Kang stuff, I, I also forgot that Kang and Venom are like buddies too. Like It's just <laughs> such a weird hang in this issue.
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on. This is an oversized issue, and they pack a ton in there. Uh, but I love Doom. Uh, Doom was great in this. You get a lot of time with Doom, which is it's awesome. a Doom issue, really. It's, it's a Doom a, yeah. Venom
1: team up. Marvel, you're in, team in the up.
2: Doom room here. It's the, there's a lot going on, uh, and uh, I, yeah, I just boom, think, boom. yeah, I just think there's this is an action packed issue, and uh, this Al Ewing guy uh, is all over this stack.
0: You know, what I would say about it is one of my favorite shows of all time is HBO's The Leftovers. It ended Mm -hmm. far too soon, but the cast was incredible particularly Carrie Kuhn, who you can find right here in the Doom Room. Wow. Let's move on to Danger Street, wow. number 9 from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Jorge you really Fortes. got me that one. <laughs> uh, Jorge Fortes. Uh, now, I have been pretty down on the series. I know, Pete, you've really been enjoying Dr. Fate's helmet yelling at people and yeah! you've gone back and forth about a bunch of stuff. Um, in this issue, the entire issue is taken it up with guardian and a manhunter fighting on a rooftop this is a masterpiece I this is say.
1: this is the issue that i feel like the whole series is built around yeah. telling that dr fate's helmet nowhere in sight pete you must be disappointed but this well, is just i a, thought
2: i was gonna be because i was like hell yeah danger street let's go and then i was let's like let talk what? helmet what And then, but then after I was reading it, I was like, this is
1: epic. I mean, this is the award issue, the award winning issue of this series. Like, this is the one, it's just a great verbal sparring between two. Sort of random characters, if I may, like they're not, I don't know if these two, these, this isn't everyone's favorite Manhunter, the Guardian, this isn't like, wow, that's the Guardian I go to bat for. So like, it really feels like because they're just sort of regular heroes slash villains, that that falls away. And it's about the nature of fights. In, in any capacity and domination, what it means to win, how these people sort of fall in love with their verbal fight as opposed and don't really want to kill each other, even though uh, well, I won't spoil what happens, but it's great. It was just this is just like you said, Alex, a masterpiece talked about.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the chess that is pl- uh, happening here is there's many levels to it and it's really impressive. Uh, what's going on and uh how they kind of uh, kept it all going i yeah i just uh once there's a lot of moments in here where are like okay well this is probably nope oh wow okay yeah it just uh the twists and turns and uh yeah i just uh was blown away super impressed you got to fucking check this fucking thing out man i mean what this is what's
1: with? running through my head whenever we podcast hmm. wait what is a what, spark uh, oh, the sparring. Angle. Oh,
0: it's like that, oh, yeah. okay. It's uh, one reference that I'll throw out. It's very similar to the Inigo Montoya met in black fight from Princess Bride, yeah, um, but much more serious. Yeah, it's yes. uh, <laughs> completely different. Yes, completely different, except exactly the same. St. John, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Dan Sh- Shkadke. Sh- 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 yeah, there we go. Wow. And Brendan mm. Wagner. I don't know why that's holding me up. Art by Dan Shkadke. <laughs> Scatty,
1: Not a lot of consonant's right in a row, I think. Yeah, That's it's S-C-H-K-A-D-E. S- C- I don't know why <laughs> I'm having a problem if with that name. Yeah. I think my brain's
0: broken for this podcast. Anyway, mm. this is You're some welcome. sort of branded something that I probably should have looked into, but it is about a Portland superhero who always knows where to go and the news reporter who is investigating him. I, given the branded whatever that was going on here, I was like, Portland gear.
1: Portland, Portland Gear, Gear Presents.
0: I was like, prove it to me. And then they proved it to me.
2: I really like this book. They did. They did. Yeah, they did went. It's over. It? Yeah, I, I really thought this was a fun-ish. I love the art style. It kind of brought a levity to it. I like the kind of superhero back and forth with this reporter. Um yeah, an interesting power set that kind of uh gets more curious as the issue goes on. I think they did a great job of setting things up and getting you interested for more. Uh solid first issue.
1: Just good vibes. This superhero's pure positivity. Yeah, nothing gets him down. I thought there was gonna be a twist where something bad was happening or he was somehow up to something. But nope, just a genuine good dude who always knows when to show up and help any random person with almost any task.
2: Yeah, that's a cool power. Keep comics
0: weird, man. Keep comics weird. Wow. Astonishing Iceman, number two from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Vincenzo Caruto. In this issue, Iceman is literally barely holding it together as he is fighting various elemental enemies. Um, what do you guys think about this?
2: I mean, well, this continues to be really great. Uh, Steve Orlando is just killing it right now. He's an unbelievable writer, dealing with Iceman, dealing with a lot. Fun book, though. I love that even though he's going through a bunch of stuff, he still kind of brings the lightness to uh, whatever he's doing. So, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, uh, there's uh, some nice layers to this and the art style really uh, uh, kind of re- uh, reflects all of it in a great way. So I I enjoyed it.
1: There's a lot of complicated ideas here, but in a book that really plays simply, it's about a relationship, it's about uh sort of death, uh it's just about like superheroes fighting each other. It's sort of exists next to the fall of X uh crossover or event I should say, but it 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 spins out of that and lets Iceman be sort of it's, be the the victim of that while at the same time having a fun uh it might end up being almost an epilogue to what what was going on with iceman's life before this green
0: lantern number three from dc comics written by jeremy adams and philip kennedy johnson art by Zermonico and montos the front story is dealing with hal jordan who has a green lantern ring but it's a different green lantern ring we're not 100 percent sure what's going on with it also sinestro is back without a ring But recruiting some allies anyway for some unknown reason. And the backup story is all about Jon Stewart, or at least an alternate universe version of Jon Stewart leading into our version of Jon Stewart that is itself going to lead into the Green Lantern War Journal series that is going to be coming up very soon. My big takeaway from this is not only do I really love this Green Lantern series, it is very frustrating to me that it was interrupted by the Night Terrors event, that you had two super strong issues, and then we had to wait two months to get issue three. I was like, ah, lost a little bit of that momentum. Pete, hey. very mad at me for saying literally anything about publishing schedules and
2: how they affect. First <laughs> off, Night Terrors was a great event. So sorry, fun was delayed. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes for big events, you know, the, you know, sometimes they put a parade down your street and you got to wait. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All <laughs> I, All I'm saying is I would have preferred – if
0: you're going to do an event or a crossover, it's always very annoying to me when it happens in, like, the second or third issue because oh, is it, 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 is it it interrupts annoying? the momentum there. Yes, I find yeah. it annoying. That's my opinion. Oh, there's an event going on. So
1: where were we? Parades, great or absolute <laughs> bullshit? These two commentators will <laughs> win.
2: <laughs> oh, there's this fun event going on and I gotta w- well,
0: let, let me give you let's say this let's say this like you're like uh, I just moved into my house I love my new house and then a parade immediately comes through your house as soon as you say that wouldn't you prefer the parade comes after you set up all of your furniture and everything and really like yeah, that's the thing about the parades house? you
2: know what I mean they happen and you gotta deal with it you know what I mean you gotta be like oh man well at least life is fun you know Great. at uh, least life throw, is oh, fun. Yeah, that's if there's anybody on this podcast
0: who loves the phrase who believes in the phrase life is fun, it's definitely you <laughs> I don't know
2: what you mean by yeah.
1: that. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> we haven't seen each other for like 4 years. We see each other so it's, I feel crazy saying this, but you guys have spent too much time together. <laughs> 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 Cuz you're you're at each other's throats about something that is that is absolutely fine. Like, that's my uh, my
2: whole point. Is it's fine.
1: Yeah, but you're yelling at him also in a way where I'm like, it's also fine on your end to be like, yeah, it was annoying that this other thing happened in the middle. Something you've been annoyed out in your life constantly. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Ryan Reynolds is Green Lantern here. I love the uh, Sinestro <laughs> stuff.
1: What the fuck uh, are you
2: about? Love the um, I love the uh, uh, you know King Shark eating guards. That's always fun. Uh, The Human Juice is a great line as well.
1: He's a bad Um, guy.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I just think this was a great looking book and uh, really a fun issue.
1: It's hard to reinvent Hal, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and Sinestro. But this book's doing it from another angle. Like, I like the way it's being played a lot through Carol and sort of the way Hal is like, Ah, I wish I was still with you, and she 's like it 's not happening and but he 's still around her they 're still like sort of working together they 're still dealing with the issues they had when they were uh, more closely tied. So that's really interesting. And then with the Sinestro of it all, I feel like he's been sort of slowly walking toward Hal in these first two. And then we had this fucking parade in the middle. And then now this third issue. And it's great. The last page of this issue, of the the front story, was really cool. And the backstory, we talked to Philip Kennedy Johnson at Baltimore Comic Con, the com that broke up Alex and Pete famously. (laughs) And he is so excited for his series that spins out of this backup, Green Lantern War Journal, uh, that is coming
0: soon yeah, it is i hate fairyland number nine from image comics written by scotty young art by brett bean picking up at the cliffhanger of the last issue where it certainly looked like gert got fried by duncan's dragon fire spoiler she didn't it was just duncan imagining it but something crazy happens to gert anyway yeah. i thought this was another very fun issue of a very fun series Justin, i know you're not as high on this one but pete
2: True. what did you think Oh well, thank you, Alex. I completely agree with you, as per usual. I think this is uh, this is just continues to be a, a blast, an absolute blast. It's cute madness, and I love it. The story keeps getting weirder and more unique as it goes. The twists and turns are a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I it's uh, it's a very unique and special book, and uh, the art and the writing are just. Absolutely, next level. It's a it's an absolute joyride.
1: I would say this should be an animated series, but I don't know where it would ever air. Adult Swim, probably.
0: Adult Swim, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know if they could even air a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah, they Maybe. do some pretty
1: fucked up shit. Sure, they do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, damn them all. Number eight from Boom Studios, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Charlie Adlard. This is about a um, yeah. Good luck. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's it's a about, going I, on. I'm trying to avoid saying this is basically like a female Constantine going on adventures because you got very mad at me the last time when I said that. Yeah, because that's a bullshit thing to say. That's exactly what this book is.
1: It <sighs> is, but the, the plot, it, like I think that's a good comparison, but the plot focuses on... Um, the, this sort of female Constantine dealing with the ghost of her mentor, trying mm-hmm. to like find her way in the world—a world where demons are very much a part of it—and people. Yeah, there's a drawer have,
2: full of goblins that pop out. I mean, come on.
1: She's got a dog demon that's pretty chill and fun, yeah. and likes to take baths, which yeah. is fun. I mean, who
2: doesn't like a nice bath? You know, if you have the time for it, you know what I mean. Treat yeah. yourself.
1: You like a bath? You take a bath. Well, how many times do you take a bath in a week? Yeah. How
0: many How many candles do you put on? Put on
1: light when you <laughs> put on where do you mean, Alex? You mean put
0: on like yeah, a little you, light. you start with one candle and you sort of like put the flame on the bottom of the other one, all right, and then all right. you this stick it to your body until yeah. you're covered
2: with candles. Uh, anyways, it's a very kind of like fucked up but very cool story. It's impressive and continues to be great. Yeah, Pete, I like this. Sorry, book a lot. I just want to ask a question again. When you're taking the bath and you're doing Candleman, you know the thing where you put candles
0: all over your candleman. body. Candleman, don't uh, say that what three do you, times. What do you say? What do you usually say? Do you say the flesh is wax, or how do you say it?
2: I say uh, Zelbin is a figment of my imagination, and he does not exist in real life. Oh, no, that's that's why change. I so, show up at that point, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> candleman, Candleman, Candleman. The. Uh, I really like this book. I think it's great dialogue and if you like Constantine or any of that type of book, this is the Vertigo book specifically. This is a great sort of inheritor of that those that sort of tone. Children
0: of the Vault, number two from Marvel, written by Dennis Camp, art by Luca, Luca Maresca. In this issue, Bishop and Cable are continuing to fight against the children who everybody loves. They're everybody's favorite super team while they hate all the mutants. And only Bishop and Cable know that they have created a mind virus that is going to wipe out all of humanity in six months. Uh, we love the Dennis Camp we're we're enrolling in summer camp. What'd you guys think about this one?
1: This is my favorite X book of the week. I like mm. this. Uh, I like Dennis camp. I like the way that he writes these characters. It's great to see Cable and Bishop back out there together again for the millionth time since they traveled forward through time and fought an epic battle for a tiny baby hope. But this, um this feels like a sort of a Thunderboltsy take on these bad guys And we are setting up for next issue for a big old fight.
2: Yeah, I really liked uh, kind of the the setup for the next issue for sure. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, the kind of like hammer move was really fun in this as well. Uh, Yeah, this continues to be uh, weird, but also interesting. Keep X-Men weird. That's what I always say. Something mm. epic.
0: Number five from image comics by Sesmon Kondratsky in this issue. We are more firmly establishing that our main character was not imagining anything his entire life. In fact, he's something called an epic. Somebody who has a powerful imagination that can help heal and change imaginary creatures. There's different forces vying for his power. Um, good forces and bad forces, and that's what we explore uh, a little yeah. bit is this imaginary world where these imaginary creations live. Um, I expressed some concerns slash reservations about this direction last issue, which I, I don't remember whether you guys shared or not, but how did you feel about this one?
1: I think I... Agreed with you a little bit. I liked the first couple issues where we were dealing with larger ideas of creativity and sort of some higher minded stuff. And now we're getting fully into a Ready Player One-esque mythology underlying this, this main character. I hope that we can rebalance a little bit and get some of those larger ideas back into it and it doesn't just become this sort of uh, a little bit of a boilerplate story that we've heard because it started out so strong and so different.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It got got a little weird for me on this issue, but I do think it continues to be interesting enough that I will check it out. Uh, We got the kind of uh, mother of all creations here, uh, which is interesting. Uh, But yeah, there was little parts where I was a little kind of uh, lost.
0: Yeah, I think they made, well, he made a decision to, you know, there's this thing happening in, like, the first three issues of is it real? Is it not real? And ultimately went for the surprising decision of it's real! It's all real! It's actually happening! Um, And in my mind, like, kind of like what you were saying, Justin, that's the less interesting decision. But, I don't know, the art's still really good and there is still a lot of exploration about creativity and what it means, so... I think it's still worth following. Let's check out the next issue and see what happens. Murder, Inc. Jagger Rose, number five, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Michael Avon Oming. Jagger Rose has become the queen of all mafia and is dealing with the repercussions of that in this issue, as well as some double dealing from one of the worst people alive, the president of the United States and not not the good one who was singing about peaches and a cat and everything you know the bad one
1: yeah right De- definitely yeah that's the that's the political reference uh, people mm-hmm. understand millions, millions of, peaches. of peaches Peaches, peaches, reform me uh bendis is a fantastic dialogue writer this the plot of this is fun it keeps moving the layouts that michael Avon oeming are really interesting and different His art style is very specific and it's unique. If you like it, this is like fantastically uh, drawn. So it's a it's a good book in this very specific world.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's uh, you know, there is a a lot of fighting and also a lot of talking. And uh, I'm not sure what's happening all the time, but I'm having a great time. X-Men Red, number 15 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing. Once again,
0: art by Yildere Sinar. In this issue, we're continuing the story of the Araco Civil War as Storm is leading the fight to stop Genesis, aka Lady Apocalypse, from taking over the planet. There's a big twist as the end here, the tie back to the X of Swords storyline. Um, I know we were kind of mixed about the previous issue of this. How would you feel about this one?
1: All Hmm. right.
2: All right. Well, I'll go first. You have to
1: go first on some of these X books, too.
2: Okay. So it opens up with that uh, fucked up brain kid chained to a wall. Creepy start, bruh. Uh, Amazing giant monster. Great uh, design of that. And then Storm throws a water dagger through its fucking brain and you see through its mouth, which is just totally insane. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on, but uh, yeah, I thought like this was an interesting issue. I didn't hate it as much, um, but then we kind of got the uh, kind of call back to the swords action with the last panel there. So uh, very interesting. See what's going on.
1: The Um, high compliment from Pete. Um, I wish this book was a little bit more focused on Storm uh, rather than sort of the disparate Arako political sitch. Great badass work when she does come on uh, the page, but great, uh, also great art. Uh, just need a little bit more clarity in what's going on.
0: So, would you say if the comics are rockoing, don't come a knockoing? Wow.
1: Yeah, that's wow. You took the words right out of my uh, mouth, my sick, sick brain.
0: <laughs> Mech Cadets, number two from Boom Studios, written by Greg Pock. Art by Takeshi Miyazawa. This is continuing the story of these kids who uh, power these mech suits. They're in space currently fighting some aliens to try to save another alien in direct defiance of the orders given to them. There is a page at the end here that like hit me in the heart a little bit. You Whoa. know, I don't know about you guys, but um, I I continue to be very impressed by this series. Like this is very cliche elevated is what I would say about it. Like you're getting, mm. you're getting these very anime tropes, but as usual, Greg Pak is figuring out a very emotional and grounded and interesting way to get into it. The art is really good and the designs are really good. Both of the aliens and the mech suits. Um, I'm very into this.
2: Yeah. uh, Just so you know, it's pronounced Pac. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I think that this is very enjoyable. I love all the action. Uh, the kind of daughter angle is very cool and great. There's a lot of heart. I uh, love the giants and ro- robot monsters. Oh my! This is just a this is a blast. And uh, uh, Greg is absolutely killing this.
1: It's pronounced Greg. Uh, this is sort of like <laughs> Power Rangers meets Transformers meets Starcom, an animated show that was on when I was in like the mid '90s, and uh, and that's fun.
2: I I think it also kind of feels a little bit like Voltron on Netflix.
0: It kind of feels actually the another Netflix series that I would mention that it feels very close to is Mech Cadets. <laughs> The Enfields Gang Massacre, number two, from Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips. This is a back-in-time Western story tying into That Texas Blood, and in this issue, it is an absolute goddamn massacre, as the law in town comes directly for the Enfield gang, who, in this case... Is probably blameless for the murder that they are being accused of, but it is a bloody mess in terms of what goes down here as things escalate extremely quickly. Um, Justin, I want to turn it for you. I know this is one of your favorite issues of the week.
1: I love this book. It's great. Just Western gunfight happening, uh, happening through the whole thing. It's based on actual events in real history. That's makes it more tragic and gives it a little bit extra dimension. The art is fantastic. That Texas Blood is one of my favorite books. This, uh, by the same team, is really extending just their work into another era. Uh, give me more. Give me more.
2: Yeah, wow. Well, uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, very unique and interesting as far as like, a lot of cool layers. Like it opens up and you got those old timey ads, uh, you know, in the, in the front. And then like, uh you know we get this kind of dream sequence and then it's like uh you know you got blood and it's not my blood and then you get the kind of flashback to this giant fight that gets out of hand uh and then you get the diamond dynamite going off and the, the fun kind of onomatopoeia action so yeah there's a really lot of great stuff to love in this and uh yeah it does does not disappoint for sure the colors the art uh just really impressive
0: X-Force number 44 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Robert Gill. In this issue, we're dealing with the fallout of the last issue, picking up and maybe catching up a little bit after the Hellfire Gala, when most of X-Force was taken by Colossus' evil brother, Mikhail Rasputin, who is making some big moves here, while Domino and Sage are trying to track down the rest of the team, among other things going on. What do you all think about this?
1: Would you all think about this? Yeah, you make me go I, first. You, were you, were you you no no I I'll go first here. I okay, I like this book uh as well. Oh. This was probably my uh second favorite uh book of the of the X the X book of the oh, week. Okay, all right. It's uh back it's sort of like Really, there's a lot of continuity here that the, mm-hmm, is built mm-hmm, into this. Mm-hmm. And the Fall of X sort of just is slotting in. We're mostly dealing with their previous continuity, the whole Mikhail-Colossus thing. I want that to, to be fa- I want them to beat him, I want to beat Mikhail and have Joel Mikhail. I want uh, Colossus to be back. I want uh, Domino to be back in this team and have everything just moving on forward into the larger Fall of X story.
0: If you ever fight Joel McHale, just you know, as
1: one weakness, soup. Yeah, oh, ironically, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a Krypton is ironically Superman's. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly, it's the same. It's way. not just the soup, though. You got to talk about the soup, and that's what <laughs> oh, it really yeah. gets him. No, eventually it eventually was just called the soup, so it's okay. Well, that's a really fun. Agree to disagree. Pizza
1: <laughs> more of an originalist when it comes yeah, to talk exactly. soup.
2: <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, it's Domino Park Root uh anyway, yeah, so you got like Evil Bro 1 and Evil Bro 2 here and I agree with Justin. We want things to get back to being good again and uh, all this madness
1: to be over. This is with. good. I like that uh, it's good. Uh the art's
2: great. I'll tell you that much. Um but uh yeah, yeah, a lot a lot going down and Robot Wolverine? Yeah, hmm? not a fan. Not a fan Why? because uh I like my you Wolverine. You like
1: robots and you like Wolverine.
2: First off, I don't like robots that much, and uh, <laughs> secondly, just for the
1: just for the Whoa. listener, Pete looked over his shoulder like there's a robot <laughs> behind him.
2: There's robots everywhere, man.
1: There's I know. Well, everywhere. here's We're something talking they, about
2: a robot
0: right now, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Here's something that'll bring you guys together. Alex hates robots, specifically R two D two that he buried in the sand. And oh, that's him, right. Him. Disgusted because he was scared.
0: What are we talking about? Dark Ride number eight well, from you got, Image Cover. I had a, question, oh, you? You had a question. It's,
2: yes. Yeah. Is Domino Park grew? She has a She group arm?
0: seems to be wearing gate, like Krakoa gate stuff on her arm, is what I think oh, is going on, okay. or replaced her arm or something like that. I I started reading X Force with issue 43, so I'm not
2: <laughs> 100% sure. A-
1: a Domino but. was very badly injured in an X Force mission, and Doesn't I think seem very lucky. Uh, Yes, I think her luck ran out. Uh, Black Tom Tom Cassidy feels like sort of the doctor, and he is very much connected to his powers go through wood, and he's connected to Krakoa. So I think that arm was built um, for her. Okay. There
0: you go. Dark Ride, number eight from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. So this has been following a spooky, evil, demonic theme park and the sons of the founder, son and daughter of the founder of the theme park. We've been plumbing through the mysteries as the son in particular has been teaming up with a woman whose brother disappeared and we know was sacrificed to the demons at the theme park. Um, I, I I think it's been a while since the last issue of this. So when Mm. we get in here and the two main characters are fighting a horde of demons based on the main character, they're like, oh, my God, we got to take care of these demons. I felt like I missed something because I feel like the first seven issues, they're like – what's going on in this spooky theme park? What's happening? This seems supernatural, potentially, and strange. And this issue, like, ah, shit, there's 30 of them. We have to kill them. And it just escalated, not to say the same thing again, but, like, it escalated so quickly in this issue to the point where everybody is, like, not is there something crazy
2: here, but there is something crazy. Well, the... When the crazy starts attacking you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like jumping through the walls and stuff. Well, but it's not even like the costume characters. It's like
0: ghosts of the costume characters are attacking them and they know that it's going to kill his wife and all of these other things. So I I, I I don't mind it. It's just like it was a
2: big leap in my It's issue eight, bro. You know what I mean? Like we've been building this for seven years. Yes.
1: But to me, that's a little bit the the point of what Alex is saying, The the comic has been very much saying, like, is this real or is this just like these people are crazy and like this is like a cult situation and they worship this like demon mascot. And then an issue issue, they sort of very aggressively put their foot down, like, no, this is a bunch of demons and they're coming for you right now. So it is a, a swing, a big pendulum swing in one direction. But I like it. I think this Mm -hmm. book is great. I love this team from the Birthright comic that I've talked about, I think, my entire life.
2: Yeah, I think most of your life you've been talking about that since birth. (laughs) right. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's it's a real kind of fucked up uh, crazy tale of uh, this kind of it's a dark ride. It's a dark ride. It's a dark ride, you know, and, uh, you know, people who go to Disneyland a lot, you got to worry about them. You know what I mean? Like, are yeah. they a part of a cult? Like, can they stop at any time they want?
0: Disney adults
2: they, don't trust a single one. They
1: can't. You, can't ever, fought it. A, you ever fought a ghost Goofy? That <laughs> <Oof>. fucker's tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: here's what I don't get is, like, Ghost Goofy is a ghost dog and Ghost Pluto is also a ghost dog. <laughs> Ghost Pluto is Ghost Mickey's pet while Ghost Goofy is Ghost Mickey's friend? It's very confusing. That's Anyways. a great
1: that's a great question to mull over as they're all eating you next time you're down. <laughs> yeah, that's what I I'd do, say. That's I do say. think uh,
2: Dark Ride continues to be fucked up and but also enjoyable. So Here's uh, one dark ride you're gonna wanna take. There we go. Yep,
0: Incredible Hulk number four from Marvel Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson Art by Travel Foreman Speaking of traveling places, Travel Foreman This is a horror book Where the Hulk is dealing with some horror stuff I think I've run out of steam at this point You guys take it away No, oh, wow
1: <laughs> Alex, you got your full steam. <laughs> I always say uh, this, uh, You always so-
0: called me your little teapot
1: Yeah. Exactly. full esteem uh, you're you're shorter than I thought uh, in oh, style. All right. All right. <laughs> well, you Dude, don't like that, far. is it too theme? far <laughs> from our Baltimore comic con? Uh, Alex is shrinking. Uh, so there's a this is a two issue back to back issues of Pete travel thought form. I was taller. I just want to say
2: for the record, Pete thought I was taller. Yeah, he felt oh, taller you, you, because uh, I'm not looking at you at screen. I saw you in real life, and the uh, you
1: think um, Pete yeah. also didn't get shorter? Like, of course, <laughs> I didn't.
2: Did I get our, shorter? No.
1: Okay. You guys are your bones are getting more dense as you get older.
2: I don't know. Anyway, that
1: incredible Hulk
2: number four is amazing.
1: It's an amazing issue. I'm the baby of this this podcast. I'm the young one. Yeah. Let me explain explain how it works. Let me
0: explain
2: how it works, baby.
1: (laughs) Explain it to me. Can we talk about this
2: amazing issue? Philip Johnny Johnson is killing this book. It's unbelievable what he's doing here.
1: Uh, agreed uh, what i was saying is um this issue and the next one are philinaris travel foreman which i think is a fun in this man thing two issue arc it looks like uh which is fun man thing great horror uh foil to have here we get man thing like Ripping the Hulk to shreds, basically, well, it, lighting him on fire. And then a second later, he's like, hey, I was just sort of wanted to talk to you about um, the Nexus where I live is in real trouble, buddy. Uh, so I thought that was fun. I like the relationship between um, Bruce and um, his sort of traveling sidekick who has problems of her own. We talked to Philip Kennedy Johnson at Baltimore Comic Con, and he, he's got a lot of great things coming up in this book.
2: Yeah, uh, first off, super type bananas art here. I love this whole thing of like Man-Thing kind of like uh, absorbing Banner and then him turning, uh, spoilers, but turning into the Hulk and exploding kind of out of Man-Thing here. Just crazy uh, panels. Love the action. Um Yeah, I think that this is kind of horror, but also Hulk in a way that's very interesting and unique. And, uh, yeah, I'm having a blast with this. It's really uh, super scary type bananas. Last but not least, The Call, number two from Image
0: Comics, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Matea Luis. This is following a bunch of kids who discover a portal to another world gotten flashes of a bunch of other things in the first issue, including something that happens that leads some horrific Kaiju style monsters seemingly coming out of that portal at some point. But here we're catching up with them as they decide to go into the portal. They start to explore this world as they look for one of their members, missing brother. Um, There's also an implication that potentially some other folks are missing as well. This Uh, The first issue was one of my favorite first issues I've read in a really long time. So I was a little nervous about this one, but I really think it holds up. This is a perfect beginning to a fantasy, supernatural, inflected teen movie. We get to know a lot more about the characters, a little more about the world. There's more weird mysteries. And the art is stunningly detailed. Really great art. Uh, I continue to be really impressed by this title.
1: You travel to a, a strange world. You don't know if you're going to get out. How long does it take till you're having sex on the ground? Yeah, like exactly. the characters in this book. You got like 2 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It happens pretty fast here.
2: Yeah, um, I was kind of like there's a way too much going on. And also like would you follow a kind of weird-looking cat that then turns into a furry? Like I I don't know if I would. You know what I mean? I might go the opposite direction. I would a
0: Start having sex as I'm going through the portal, and B, I'd be like, "Hey, furries, <laughs> portal sex, furries, any furries here? Is I right. want to follow you wherever."
1: So that's my interest. you're a cat be, guy; you'd follow the cat.
2: Well, just to be clear, we're not talking about crawl two. This isn't the sequel to crawl. This is called. So uh, you know, so I don't want to. Any, uh, there is here. weirdly, there's a glaive in the
1: book though, which is interesting. Mm. It's a great clarification, Pete. Thank you, uh, editor Peter LePage. Editor LePage. Uh, but this art, the art in this book is fantastic, and I'm really engaged by this story as well. Uh, it has, uh, you know, young people traveling to a strange world. It's a little less, it's a little more fantastical than like Stranger Things, and a little more like the kids are a little older. So that's that's great because the relationships are a little more complicated.
2: Yeah, Kelly Thompson is an amazing writer, and this continues to be really an impressive book. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support this Woo-hoo!
0: podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about comics, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club, live on TikTok and at Instagram, comic book club, live.com for this podcast and many more until next time. We'll see you at the comic book club. Uh, is that <laughs> you're nice. doing that for all I, of it? No. I, I'll tell you what, I thought about it this weekend over at Baltimore like, Comic why Con don't and I I do like, this? Why have I not been saying this for sixteen freaking years? Well see That's the thing is, is
2: I like the way you do it before because it would be cool to run into somebody at a comic book shop, you know? Yeah, but we're comic
1: book club. Yeah, yeah. We are, yeah we're we're yeah, the that club heart's
2: super clear. I don't think anybody and is <laughs> listening
1: going, what is the name of this? And just to be clear, you guys can't bump into each other anywhere for like six months. (laughs)